0: Hi, this is Dave Pryor for projectmanagement.com. Today, I have Jack Skills from Agency Agile, and I'm super excited and super grateful that he's taken time out to do the interview because every time I talk to digital PMs about Agile and how they're trying to make it work, the name of the company always comes up, and, and Agency Agile is a name that I hear repeated over and over again, and I'm very excited to, to learn more about how they're doing it. So, Jack, thank you for taking time out of your morning.
1: Well, hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Uh, very excited. Uh, obviously, one of my favorite topics in the world, so uh, happy to be here today.
0: So, can you talk a little bit about your background and how you ended up creating this sort of? I mean, it's an odd match—the the focus of your agency. You're in a very unique space, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We have we have no competitors, um, and it's Agency Agile serves the uh, advertising marketing agency space. That's our sole focus. And everyone, we've got five coaches now, um, everyone is a former agency executive. So it's, it's, you know, focus wins in entrepreneurship, in my opinion. So that's where we've gone with it.
0: So you're doing transformation at the digital agency level?
1: Yeah, not even di- uh, not just digital agencies, but traditional and hybrid as well. I mean, everyone's sort of a hybrid agency these days. Okay.
0: Yeah. Can you talk about how you, you ended up in the agile space and what gave you the passion to start this up?
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, I was actually, I think my most of my career could be characterized as having no passion at all. Actually started out <laughs> as a software guy and I got promoted, this is back in the 80s, I'm sort of an old dog, got promoted in, um, into a project management job and I hated project managers and I, I hated the idea of being a project manager, um, but it paid more back then than it does, uh, you know, than software development did. Uh, and I sort of spent most of my career uh, being a you know, program manager, project manager, you know, client service manager, built a consultancy, all that kind of thing. Not really liking any of my jobs and the like, to be quite frank. Uh, okay. But back in the 80s, when I did, when I, there was a thing called modular project management that was a hot technique, which was basically. Um, go do something for two weeks and show it to everyone, and then decide what to do next, right? Which uh, is was one of the precursors of, of modern software agile that we talked about. Yeah. Um, I did it, and I liked it because it made my project managing very easy to do, right? I didn't, okay. have, to, I didn't have to do a nine-month plan. You know, I could just do a two-week plan, which is ridiculously easy, and go play volleyball that night. So um, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty fun that way. Um, and fast forward, I, I usually tell a real long story about uh, just in the interest of time, but but fast forward to um, basically, I was uh, you know I did the interactive and all that kind of thing. I eventually, ended up running Sapient's Los Angeles office, 105 person office in Santa Monica, okay. California.
0: That's and, big time consulting.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they were you know they you know it's so two thirds consulting, one third you know interactive, web dev, you know yeah. digital marketing kind of thing. And uh, they had me implement their version of Agile, which was called Sapient Approach 3 at the time. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, we, we implemented it, but it was just a mess. I mean, no one liked it or anything like that. And then I got, I got laid off from Sapient with the global economic downturn. And okay. I decided I'd write a book on how to run an agency because agencies are these wonderful and horrible places to be, right? the most exciting work and most innovative and creative and everything. And, and they turn into such disasters.
0: Why, why do you think that is?
1: Well, look, I think that in, in a sense, everyone's trying to do a new moonshot ever with every project. Right. Okay. And, um, there's a high level of unknowability to the projects. And back to my pet peeve is that I just think they're very poorly managed. I think most people who manage agencies, um, never had much training in management usually come up through a craft right i was a technology director and now i'm you know number two or i'm a creative director and now i'm leading the agency that kind of thing so okay so just to wrap that so i said i'd write a book and um when i started doing all the research i realized i didn't know how to run an agency either (laughs) and that was kind of funny (laughs) and I, i didn't want to write a book about everyone else's theories so um I decided I'd go out and try it, and I went went to an agency, Blitz Agency in Santa Monica, and ended up taking over a project and trying out a bunch of the techniques, and it was it worked really well. I had this sort of theories about what was wrong with Agile because I think Agile is kind of broken in general, um, okay. and you're better off for doing Agile. But I had some theories, and I got to implement them, and they worked real well. And you know, went to GoDaddy.com and said, "How about?" AgencyAgile.com, <laughs> boom, that was, the, that was just sort of how it happened. We've been going now six years, 85 agencies, um, wow. seems to be going pretty well.
0: So there's a couple different things that I want to ask you about. Um, when you started with Agile, was there a particular flavor that you were working with, was it like Scrum or Kanban or just a general mix of stuff? Uh,
1: the first formal Agile that I did was in um, 2001, and it's a cousin of Agile. I did Extreme Programming. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you know, we did pairs and everything, um, which is, is just sort of crazy, counterintuitive, um, and it worked really well. And then I did sort of a very simple. I was a, then I went to an interactive shop and I was CTO there, and I ran on a simple. I, I did a canned two-week cycle model. We're building websites for video game companies, okay. and I said, fine, we'll do two. It was sort of Scrum or Fall. I guess to yeah. answer your question precisely, it was two weeks design, two weeks dev. And we would okay. crank out these sites, and we'd have you know three sites in every cycle, and um, and th- then I actually saw it really really work. I was I was impressed by what it could do at that point.
0: Okay, so th- you said something that I thought was really interesting there about somebody who's who's made this kind of choice or or whatever reason to to follow kind of project management as a craft. And you took the gig at Blitz and treated it like a lab, it sounded like. And, and to me, that's, that's something that I've done on a lot of different jobs. But I, I wish more people would do that. Was there a specific, like, what was one specific thing that you were trying to test out when you went to Blitz?
1: So my biggest hypothesis was this. Uh, I think the most tested one there um, was that actually agile itself, software agile, was a yeah. repudiation of project management as a whole.
0: Okay. And if, you,
1: if you look at the research data around like Standish group and the chaos report and all yeah. that kind of thing, your project success rates are less than fifty percent, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And, yeah. and we're at the zenith of project management techniques these days, right? So that's if that's as good as we do, then maybe the idea is broken. and i I took over this project that was compl- it was the typical on fire, you know, 20 weeks worth of work left to do, but only eight weeks left in the schedule, hard global launch of this video game title, et cetera. Everyone's screaming, working, you know, 12 hours a Crazy day, hours, day. 15, 15 person design and dev team, and three project managers. There's one project manager for every five people. And I my my big theory was like, we don't need to manage like that. And I got rid of two of the project managers. There's plenty of other work for them to do. They didn't get fired or anything like that. But okay. I put them on, a, moved them to back to the pool. Other which, Yeah. And I kept one of them halftime. He was a friend of mine. And I said, I want you to do only what I tell you to do. Don't do anything more. I said, okay, fine. And he ended up being essentially a project administrator. And we made the team run the whole project. And we brought the project in almost feature complete, almost on time. So that's a lot of trust. Yeah, you've got to believe in the. You got to believe in your team, and I think managers have a hard time trusting. So, so when you walk into an
0: organization to help them make that change, how do you approach that conversation? Because that's that's to me that's like one of the steepest cliffs. I mean, the rest of the stuff, the practices, you can make them do that stuff, but you can't make people trust.
1: We talk about it from the very beginning when we when we start working with an agency. I, I think there are a couple pieces that. Basically, we used to tell everyone you need to hire us, and we'd spend a whole bunch of time trying to convince them that that we're going to make their agencies different and better, and we barely sold anything. Um, and then we just went basically to content marketing and said, um, if you really want your agency to be better, I mean, really want to be better, then call us. It turns out everyone who calls really does care and wants to be yeah. different. <laughs> They're willing to do whatever. Anyone you try and talk into it, forget it, okay? Oh, we've only had three three sort of flame-out disasters, and they were out of 85 agencies, and and they were all three cases where we talked, worked really hard to talk the agency into doing it, right?
0: I think that's usually, like, I get that in class all the time. People are like, how do I convince leadership? I'm like, don't. Go work somewhere else. It's not worth
1: yeah,
0: the fight. Exactly.
1: Totally Totally agree. Um, and when we get brought in, then our first thing at the agency is to educate management and say, basically, I mean, we actually say, how much pain are you in, okay? And okay. how much gain do you want? And how much pain are you willing to tolerate to get there? Because it's all about you guys. If you guys shift, everyone else will do fine.
0: Wow. This is, this is I'm, I'm excited that you're saying these things, because I don't usually hear this out of folks on the digital side. Um, so what do you think is... What's the hardest part for an organization that has not? I mean, I, I, this is going to be a little crass, but I always characterize the, the biggest problem as that historically, the agency has basically been the client's bitch. And the client can say, do this, and they have to do it. And everybody's on 50 things at once, and they don't know how to run any other way and, and maintain their revenue. Um, how do you talk them off the ledge with that kind of stuff? when you get clients like that or or do those people not show up at your door?
1: Well yeah I think it's it's a great it's a great question Dave. I think that if you stop and look into where client behavior comes from, okay, you'll, you'll find out that one of the big one of the big things that drives client behavior is something else that agencies say in the same breath. The client says jump this tie or jump here when whatever. But they also say and the client's an idiot. They don't know what they want. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now here's the thing. The client's the idiot is some sort of excuse for living in the jump whenever they say jump mode.
0: For being the victim. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which which is all self-fulfilling and, and justifying and all that kind of thing. But if we step back and say, well, the client doesn't understand how marketing works, then there's an educational opportunity. Okay. okay. Because, and we, what we do in our trainings is we teach you how to teach the client how to be better at marketing. And and surprise, surprise, all of a sudden, the client starts viewing the agency as a partner, as, as a teacher, as a, a, a part of the team, as a, they'll start listening to when the agency says, no, that's probably not a good idea. Um, it, it radically transforms the, the, uh, the client-agency relationship to actually transform the dialogue between the two.
0: So you're, I mean, you're kind of taking it on the battle on both sides then. I mean, if they've got gigs in flight when you walk in the door, you're teaching yeah. them how to change their work and teaching them how to teach the client how to change the way that they work.
1: Yeah, I, I think that everyone. So I know you do. Uh, I know you do agile training. Yeah. I think that the one of the challenges that Scrum and Agile face is that the the main training, and I did a, a medium post on this the other day. The main training, the the certified Scrum Master training. Yeah. It implies that it teaches you the the important pieces when in fact they're the most simplistic and and yeah. kind of useless pieces. <laughs> yes. uh, if you want to implement Agile. Um, yeah. And so it, it does a disservice. It sounds like just add water, right? And and that's not really how Agile works. You need to, um, the easiest stuff. I mean, the last thing we teach, we teach you a know, three, three to four or five week curriculum spread out over time. But the last teachings are words that you will recognize like sprint and like sprint planning and that kind of thing. That's the last thing we teach. Okay. We teach how to do all the other dynamics, which are like how to, how to talk to the client, how to, how to talk about scope, how to talk about scope in a multidisciplinary team, how to estimate. Well, all those things, we do all those basics first because if you don't have any of those basics and you haven't reconfigured yourself, then it doesn't matter. You can do sprints all day long and it doesn't change your business.
0: Yeah. Now, do you guys only do uh, private classes or do you do publics as well?
1: We So it's a, holistic, it's a you're sort of getting at it in another way. I think it's a great question. Um, it's a holistic change, right? Okay. You know, so you so, want to so take
0: a whole organization at once?
1: Yeah. We train whole agencies um, or, or whole pieces of them at
0: a okay. time. Okay. Um, so one of the things I mentioned before we started recording was that my own personal opinion is that for Agile to really work in a digital context, um, there needs to be a, there needs to emerge another model because the ones that we have, they're great on the software side, but they don't really fit the the culture and the type of work and the way that things are set up in there. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. Do you think there has to there needs to be a different version of Agile for digital?
1: Uh, so I'd like to challenge. One thing you said first, if you don't mind, sure. is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'd like to challenge that agile works well. Um, okay. I'm gonna give. I'll give you a little anecdote here. Um, I was at the Heartland Developers Conference. I think this is about almost three years ago now. Maybe yeah, two or three years ago. Okay. And um, I, I knew the founder of it, and he he gave me a keynote um, that was called "How to Turbocharge Your Agile Projects." Okay. And, uh, and I'm sure you, you and, and the listeners are familiar with the research on how well software agile works in its traditional setting, which is the large scale software yeah. development project, right? The uh, right. 300 staff year kind of project. Thing. Um, and, and you can get velocity improvements of like five to 15 times. In other words, you're producing code five to 15 times faster. Um, some amazing changes can happen as a result of that. So I stood up in front of these 800 people at this conference, and I, I put that stat up on the screen and, and I wanted to get into a conversation with them because I was sure that they had done a lot of really cool stuff. And I wanted to, you know, sort of leverage that, get everyone going. And I said, I said how many of you here have gotten a 200% improvement in the velocity of your projects as a result of using Agile? And I held my arm up, you know, like I'll hold your arm up if you want to do it. And yeah. first I'd ask, how many of you use Agile? All the hands go up. Literally, you could right. do the air moving in the room, right? That all the hands went up. And then, yeah. and so 200%, no hands go up. Yeah. I'm like, wow, okay, that's interesting. So I say 100%, because some of our clients have gotten 100% velocity improvement, and no hands go up. I'm like, wow, that's a little bit scary, and I don't know what to do, because that was where I was going to pivot and start talking about what works. So yeah. I said, how about 50%? No hands go up. I'm thinking now I'm really worried okay and I say uh, I I don't know what to do So I just go 25% you know and (laughs) throw me a bone you know and the um, three hands go up out of 800 people yeah and I think I think to myself Dave in that moment I think this is a tragedy of at least two dimensions one is that there are only three hands. I don't know if I even believe them because I'm sure I'm, I'm exuding my discomfort with the answers right now, right? Sure. Some people may be trying to help me out. But yeah. second is, uh, I think people probably are doing a bit better, but no one's measuring, right? Which is well, also. Or,
0: or velocity is not their thing. I mean, I know plenty of people that would say, you know, well, it's not really about velocity. They go into the whole, it's about value or you know, whatever. Um, maybe they're looking at it differently.
1: I, I understand. I would just say that I think that it's one of the most measurable methodologies out there. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. If, if, you, and you, if, you can't, if you're not measuring, you're not managing, to paraphrase Peter Drucker. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, was, I was quite shocked at that, but it, it actually corresponds. And I tell the story all the time when I talk to agencies and non-agencies, and I think everyone can agree that people like using Agile Um, but I would argue that not many people really get business benefits beyond liking it.
0: So I want to, I want to have a little debate. What about the idea of, I mean, I, I still find that I have too much to do. Um, and that's, but that's my own fault now. I'm the one that decided to pick up the work. Mm -hmm. I don't say that I'm necessarily faster. I would say that I am more focused in the things that I do. I limit the things that I do you know, try to keep it to one thing at a time. I hope that I'm producing higher quality work. I hope that I am working, um, a little bit more efficiently and and I'm not burning myself out as much. So I guess for me, at a personal level, I feel like if I was a cog in the machine, I'm performing better than I used to. I don't know if the output of that is going to increase the machine's output, but I am functioning better than I used to function.
1: I, one I agree with you is that that I think t- in in general, it's a little bit easier on team members than traditional project managing. Yeah. So there is absolutely people get that reaction. I will also point out I don't need agile to give you that result. Yes. All you gotta do is implement I think that's out, really out.
0: important to say as well. Yeah.
1: I can put a Kanban in place and let you have it make it a self, self-managed Kanban, and you'll get largely the same effect you just described.
0: So so given all that you've just said, how you, how are you selling this to companies <laughs> if you're walking in you know, and like it doesn't really work? But give me a check.
1: Well, look, first of all, every agency that that calls us has tried it and has not gotten it to work. And then they hear that we actually get it to work. So they're like, okay, well, maybe we didn't know what we were doing. And I always tell them, no, you did know what you were doing. It doesn't work. Um, And so what we did is we actually, I mean, we have Agile in our name for one very important reason is it's a shiny metal object still. Yes. Um, If it stopped being that, we would probably change our name, right? Okay. Um, We teach uh, the last 30% of what we teach is agile. Uh, the okay. first 70% is actually good management practices, team empowered management, um, how to create a flat, flat and um, flat communication, and inside an empowered workforce with your clients, that kind of thing. So we we sort of you know things like agile planning don't work. Yeah. And back to your original question, agile planning, you know the Post-it notes with uh, T-shirt sizes and planning poker and all that—that that doesn't work with the multidisciplinary team, right? okay? Because one person's small is another person's extra large is another person's medium. Sure, and there's no amount of averaging that actually gives you a good estimate off that situation. Yes, um, I can hear Woody Zul clapping in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know, and I think the, uh, the the other thing is that you know, the, the environment that a digital agency lives in is largely one that doesn't match at all the environment that um, a large-scale software project does. Um, yeah. The, yeah. I'll just give you a real quick hit list is multiple projects going out at the same time. Like you like you mentioned, easily within yeah. a month, you could touch 50 pieces of work. Um, those pieces of work are start-stop. You you are often interchangeable. In other words, if you worked on something and stopped, someone else might pick it up. Yeah. Um, the, uh, all, those, all those projects are budget certain, date certain, right? and, and probably schedule certain as well, right? Um, so in, in essence, all this sort of let's see how far we get in a certain amount of time and we'll show you what we have stuff only works if you're going to get it done by September 1st and you're going to show me the whole thing, right? Okay. So, so the, I mean, those are fundaments of Soft for Agile, right? Is yeah. it's not worth planning, so let's just plan really light and let's see how far we get. And we'll learn more by going than we will by planning, which is true for a 300-staff-year project, okay? Um, but it's not, it's not necessarily true for an 800-hour project. So we've, we've figured out a way to, to sort of find the midpoint between those two philosophies.
0: So, what so I have so many questions right now. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> this is fun. We'll
0: go, we'll go with the one that's, I, I'm going to come back to teams in a second, but what is the midpoint then? How would you, I mean, without giving away your entire, you know, the secret magic sauce, what, what is, what is the in between that works?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, that's such a, I mean, we, te- we I'm I'm not trying to hide anything. We take th- three weeks to teach that. So I'm trying okay, to Okay, So, so one,
0: one aspect, that. just one, one piece of it.
1: Um, I think the, uh, You and I, I forget whether we talked about beforehand or or during this, is that I think managers managers believe that they care more than team members. And in doing so, they engage in actions that disempower team members and make team members care less. When the original situation was, if anything, team members care as much or like within 2% of how much a manager cares, often more. Okay, a manager can go home in a project failing and still feel like a good manager. They did as good of a job as they can. But a team member with a project failing will feel like they're failing. Okay, so it's, it's actually more intimate for team members. But this, this, this very interesting misperception over how much people care and how much yeah. ownership they're willing to take um, dramatically destroys productivity. I mean, literally, I mean, taking 5%, 10% productivity out of each individual in the team is just can decimate a team.
0: I, I'm really fascinated by the way that you just explained that. One of the things I say in my CSM class is that as a PM, I, I did feel like I was the only one that was watching at all, the only one that could see everything. Um, and so I had to tell people, you know, all the things they mm-hmm. weren't seeing. And then my challenge to the class is what if everybody on your team was engaged at that level? But what, the way that you're saying it, everybody was engaged at that level until I told them they weren't. And I'm yeah, the one that yeah. led them down that path.
1: Yeah, I, I do want to leave room for people in the world who just want to be told what to do. They do exist. and Yeah, um, and that's fine. my Our estimates from working with our clients is about 10% of the people in a typical agency are of that either um, I want to tell everyone what to do because that's really the way I view myself is the teller of what to do or right. the receiver of that, which would be – I don't want to think, tell me what to do you probably yeah. don't want either of them in your agency and they they generally move out when we when we move in okay um, but yeah it's I, I think in general about 90% of the people inside of an agency you know on, on the team you know producer maker whatever you want to call them um, care a lot about what they do they believe in their craft they believe in their professionalism especially go to Millennials everyone's complaining about Millennials dude I had a uh, I had a millennial bartender spend 15 minutes telling me about the difference between these three obscure gins. Um, these are this is a generation that cares deeply about their craft.
0: What's interesting to me is that you're saying things that they're not coming from a wildly different place, but the perspective that you have on them, I think, is very, very unique, and that's really cool. Um, okay, thanks. What about teams? So I would, one of the challenges that I have, or one of the things, you know, I will often say to folks is like, even if, even if you've got, everybody's working on 15 things, can you just build a cross-functional stable team that's going to stay together so they get to that performing state and they have those efficiencies of communication and trust, and then let them work on 15 projects, but keep that band together. Um, Is that something that you subscribe to, or is that not part of your model?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's um, So in general, we, we break some of the numbers that people use commonly in this space. A lot of times people will say it's got to be a pretty small pod, if you will, yeah. like eight people or 10 or something like that. Um, we find that the optimal, we call it a work stream team. And it's a team that manages a, a stream of work from multiple clients, multiple projects, etc. Um, okay. We think that optimal size is about 25 people. 25,
0: oh, wow, that's huge. 35.
1: Okay. That would include account client services people and whatever you need for producer and PM as well. Okay. So right. So typically it would be, and we again we run the sort of um, a flat um, management structure. So that would be maybe six people in management. If 25 person team, then it'd be six people in management, 19 people in delivery, if you will, you know, producing things. Okay. Um, yeah. No, we totally believe it. If it's a larger agency, then we teach them how to cut themselves up into those teams and the like.
0: So So this is a pretty massive transformation. You're not just talking about that model where like on the software side, everybody went after teams and then teams complained about management. So then I go after management. You're taking the whole (laughs) thing at once.
1: Yeah, you have, I mean, you have to do, I mean, so what I discovered is I, when I first went out and did what's now called agency agile, I did it for large scale projects because that's what I had figured it out using and I took a take over like a million dollar project. And we could run it literally the the PM load for a million dollar project, which is like, you know, eight people over eight months or something like that. The PM load was about 15 hours a week. That's OK. OK. And nothing, basically nothing, a, a sure a minor fraction. Um, the problem was, is that I, I could run that and go home every day at 11 in the morning and everyone's really happy project, very successful on time on budget. But when I left that agency, they still didn't know how to do it. Uh-huh. They could do it if I was there making them do it and keeping them in that bubble, but they had not internalized the management skills, the organizational structure, all that kind of thing to do it.
0: Yeah. So that's when
1: we that's when we changed our model. I said I don't want to go around just doing a bunch of brilliant successes that don't ever change people's lives. We're actually trying to make agencies better, and so that's okay. that's what shifted our focus.
0: If if you if you're talking to you know people that are potential clients. Are there clients that when you meet with them, you you, you know, talk to them about what they have going on, that you would say, you're not really ready to do this yet. Here's a couple of things you need to get sorted out before you're fit for transformation. Or are you able to take them from whatever stage that they're at into a more agile version?
1: That That's a, that's a great question. We've been running into some challenges around that um, a little bit more as we go into the well, I'll put it. The Late adopters. Way. No, it's it's a little it's a little bit weirder than that. We were trying to figure out what it was. We were seeing some things about agencies that were the you know some agencies just take our stuff and they just literally run with it. Like three weeks later, they're like, "Oh my God, we're selling like never before," and the, the team is ridiculously <laughs> happy and all that kind of thing. And then other yeah. agencies are like, "We know this is fantastic, but we're still trying to figure out, aside from it being fantastic, how do we make how do we run our agency how now? How do
0: we do it? Yeah." It,
1: it, yeah, and it turns out that it, it really has to do with how you, how you, how much your management is used to changing. In other words, the among the many managerial skills you can have for management and leadership group is reinventing your organization. Yeah. In other words, if we have to restructure or what do we, and, and if you think about it, digital agencies, that's it's a required skill in a digital agency. Yeah. right you know, everyone that was a flash shop whatever it was 15 years ago 12 years ago is no longer a flash shop right right and right. and the move from flash to whatever else you moved to was dramatically massive right i mean it meant people retraining people leaving hiring new people new functions traditional agencies have been running the same way for what 40 50 60 years yeah yeah they don't have the skill to know how to change their business okay it's, okay. it's just literally, it's not a muscle that they've developed. Um, so we've added some curriculum around that now, just around how to think about transforming your business, which I never thought we'd be in the, I mean, never wanted to be in the transformation business, just wanted to make agencies happier. But yeah, that is a that is a big challenge. I think that's one of the biggest challenges for, for places. Well,
0: it almost sounds like that that 70% that you mentioned in the in the process or the training process is... In a way, getting them in the right headspace so that they're fit for the
1: transformation. I think, well, in in our training, the first thing we do in the training, I mean just on our website too. The first thing we do in the training is we teach how to have a team-based, team-empowered scoping and estimation discussion that involves okay. the planning. Right. So we do our replacement for agile planning, which we call road mapping. And we've got some other pieces around it, but it's basically road mapping. Um, We teach that first because the way we teach it is we make the managers learn how to let the team take ownership. Okay. And so back to that original thing I was mentioning is that when managers see that team members actually really want to take ownership, um, that all of a sudden loosens everyone up a bit. Like, oh, hey, I never knew that would happen. If you had told me that would happen, I would have called you a liar until I saw it myself. So. a lot of actionable learning i mean and look most managers are awesome people that are trying to do a great job it's just that our way of managing the way we think about it the way we were taught the way we see it in movies like Gary, Glenn, Glenn ross or wall street or yeah. whatever is this horrific idea of managing that's completely wrong and right. so we're just undoing this this really bad you know societal image of it
0: it's funny people will say that it's bad or you know they'll, you know whether it's Glenn Glad- Glenn Ross or office space or whatever, they'll say it's bad, but that doesn't seem to make them able to climb down off of it and stop doing it. It's like, I always, I feel like it's like an addiction to behavior and they just have to figure out how to let go of that behavior. They don't know how to do that yet.
1: Yes, you're exactly right. I, I agree. I think it's a, um, it there's sort of a pattern to, and addiction's a tricky word, right? But I, I mean, I want to, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that there's also just sort of um, the way we learn as humans is often through mimicry yeah. and, and just the lack of, um, of better examples means that it, you know, seeing a loud, bad manager, just you know, someone bossy, strong and loud, is you're more likely to replicate what they're doing than the, past, yeah, as you know, like a, yeah. a great CSM I mean, the ultimate thing as a CSM during standup is to actually shut up, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's not your meeting, right? And um, so the the passive behaviors are the best management behaviors, yet they're they're the hardest thing to mimic because they don't exist, right?
0: Yeah, they're not as yeah, like you said, they're not as obvious as the screaming guy. Yeah.
1: Um, so
0: I want to go back to a question I asked earlier. Do you do you believe that there will emerge or there should emerge a variant of Agile that or some other process, some other approach that is more suited to a collaborative way for digital agencies to engage and support team teams working towards delivering stuff for customers.
1: For agile to work, it needs to be an, an organization and leadership-led initiative. Okay. Most agile. That goes on today is as you know, it's CSM training. Right. Which is a send my PM, you know, they'll send often send one of our PMs right. to this training, and now we'll become agile. Yeah. Um the, the way that agile will really become something that works in a wide range of organizations is when it becomes a management initiative, not a project management initiative.
0: Oh, yeah. nice. Okay. Does
1: that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So it's got to that, start at the sea level and boil its way down.
1: Just just like we were talking about in terms of our, our sales model. So it, it really needs to be that I'm a leader of an organization. And I want my organization to have these wonderful characteristics that you can get by doing this well. And I'm willing to do the changes that I need to do, willing and capable of doing the changes I need to do, as are my managers, to get us to that spot. Okay. Uh, and and right now, that's not out there. That you know, I, I think we're one of the few voices that really has that as a a decent vision. There's a lot of vague stuff about team empowered, and um, you know, there's sort of make your organization better consultants that have you know that yeah. run the gamut from one, be awesome. One yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this Buy sort the of, agile,
0: you'll be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the funny thing is, this stuff came up in nineteen you know, nineteen ninety. Peter Senge, and even before that some famous authors like Rensis Likert and a bunch of folks in the 50s and 60s outlined the vision, even Arthur C. Clarke to a degree, um, outlined the vision for what this organization in the future would look like. But no one's ever filled it in with, how do I get there? I think that's the new frontier.
0: Okay. That's really interesting. So if people want to, if they want to study more on how you how your approach is working? Let's say that their organization is not ready to you know bite the bullet and and bring you guys in and help you transform the company. If I'm just a DPM working at some shop, and I want to start to learn more about the practices that you've employed that that are working, how would I go about doing that?
1: I think there are two. Uh, one's going to sound incredibly self serving, but I I mean it more because I. It's out there because I feel like the information isn't out there. And okay. that is you know, on, our, on our website, if you just Google me, um, my articles, I, I okay. generally write an article when I see a gap in the information marketplace. Okay. So a lot of the topics, you know, why, how managers confuse authority with control yeah it's a great article it it, it's based on real behavioral and business research that kind of thing so i think you can get a lot out of it i know you can get i know of people who've taken that and started feeding that stuff to their to their leadership and it changes the conversation right so okay um, that stuff can be valuable on a more on a more um uh just pure agile perspective because i know you'll have some listeners who want to know that i think the um uh, the books by Bas Vodi and, um, uh, was it Craig Warman? Craig Warman, yeah. Warman uh, yeah. L- phenomenal books. And especially uh, the one I think it's called Scaling, Large Scale and Lean Projects or something like that. Um, I think they're just great books. Those guys, um, you need to read the whole book and it's not, their tiny books. Um, but they give a very thorough treatment. I think they're the best books on Agile I've ever read and I've read, you know, I've got... Wow. 200 or something like that.
0: Okay. Um, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they'll be psyched to hear that too. Can I ask you one more, hopefully softball question that comes up in my classes all the time?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. So I get a lot of DPMs in my class and they will say, well, I'm here cause I want to learn about scrum and we're trying to do agile, but we can't do agile because our projects are fixed bid.
1: Yeah. That's that projects weren't Fixed price was an artifact of the projects that software agile originally worked for, right? Okay. If, you, if whatever you try to do with agile, you need to implement it in the real world for fixed price, fixed schedule projects, which is what we do. It's very doable. Um, it, it, in fact, it's table stakes, right? If you go yeah. into any any business that isn't doing a large three hundred person development project, you better have that answer, or else you're just gonna it's. I mean, look, maybe twenty percent of the clients out in the world can handle sort of um, open scope, open schedule. The rest of them have you know, they got budgets and and calendars, right? So yeah. you've got to handle that.
0: So thank you.
1: <laughs> for that. Now I have now I have
0: much. backup for that. I really appreciate that. No, I'm always like, so you have fixed scope. That's whatever. I've always got that. I've never not had that. You got fixed scope. You got fixed time. You got fixed costs. Okay, but one of them is going to give at some point. We just gotta yeah, figure right. out which one the client's willing to cope
1: with. I think the biggest thing I let me give a little piece of advice to throw in here at the end is that yeah. I, I think that probably a lot of the founders, the original originators of Agile and those that preceded them, because by the way, Agile was just a you know modular project management plus Kanban plus a bunch of different things all thrown together, they would say really think deeply about whether it fits and what what piece does and doesn't fit and what you would do instead. And I think that's a great example. Look, you can do an 800-hour project in Agile, especially because an 800-hour project isn't that hard to estimate, right? Yeah. So why not go ahead and just estimate it, and then do Agile, then do the rest in Agile, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, there's no perfect Agile, and there's no perfect way to do Agile. There's only your Agile. Yeah.
0: Cool. That I. I... This was awesome. Thank you for doing oh, this. Dave, um, I
1: loved your questions. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> well, if people want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I
1: Well, I think you know, initially the, our website has a bunch of stuff. We just launched a new one, so it's a little bit of a jumble still. We're not a web shop ourselves. Um but uh, yeah, read the articles, and certainly feel it's. Fi- I'm fine with people reaching out to me with questions and the like. We don't, of course, I don't, don't do counseling one on one or anything. We do, we do just train organizations as a whole. But um, okay, yeah, I think that's you know.
0: So I'll make sure to include links to the blog and and to Agency Agile and to the Twitter also. Um, cool. And your LinkedIn is that okay too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please.
0: Cool. All right. Thank you very much. This was a great conversation, and I really appreciate you taking time out for it
1: well dave thanks very much for having me and um i would look forward to meeting you at some point i'm not sure if i'm at dpm summit this year but one of our guys is oh cool Um, okay so let me know if you if you think of it i'll try and think of it as well um uh let me connect you with them too so you guys can get together that'd be
0: great thank you very much
1: thanks dave